0: True exercise and true hatha yoga, which is the physical component of yoga. You know, all those twingling, twangly, postural things. What actually is it? And what is the most effective ways to reap the benefits and achieve the aims of exercise? Elvada Show. Immerse in a shared experience with me of exploring exciting realms of holistic health and the rich, expansive field of consciousness of which underlies and encompasses everything. It is here that we explore the essence of what health and vitality truly is. Get ready to discover how to enliven your ultimate potential for health and to live a life in a frictionless flow while achieving more. You deserve to feel vitality. As a matter of fact, it is innate within you. Hello there, this is Dylan Smith, Ayurvedic Practitioner, Holistic Health Educator, Speaker and just recently, Podcaster. I run the Vital Veda Clinic in Sydney and travel around sharing this ancient knowledge and treatments face to face as well as online. Today we have a wonderful podcast with one of the top yoga masters in the world who has not only mastered yoga but also movement, exercise, breathing and pranayama. I'm fortunate enough to have him as my yoga teacher, however not so much anymore since he moved up the coast and is teaching more exclusively around the world. But specifically he has taught me hatha yoga, which is the physical component of yoga and really revolutionized my yoga practices as he does with many people. Although yoga is so much more than just the physical aspect, in this podcast, that's what we talk about, the physical aspect. It is the most common sort of yoga practice by many, which is wonderful, but better better off doing it right, not just to reap the maximum benefits, but also to reduce damage to your body and nervous system. Simon is one of the highly regarded authorities in yoga, really in the world, and certainly in Australia today. Simon Borg-Olivia has been practicing yoga for 50 years and teaching for 35 years. He is also a registered physiotherapist for the past 20 years. He's the co-director of Yoga Synergy, one of the big yoga schools in Australia, a research scientist and university lecturer. He has regularly been invited to teach posture, movement and breathing at conferences and festivals internationally since 1990. He's one of the most beautiful humans I know. So fun, loving, kind, and humorous at times. Enjoy. So, I'm here with Simon Borg Olivia. So good to see you again. Likewise, Dylan. Thank you. Um, Pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, just to paint a bit of a picture, we're up in the Byron Bay hinterland area in his beautiful home on a beautiful day. And yeah, Simon was. I was very lucky to discover Simon early on in my in my yoga, my Hatha yoga career and my Hatha yoga practice because I see Simon revolutionize a lot of people's yoga practice and I'm lucky mine didn't have to get revolutionized. I was l- lucky enough to start early. Um, but before we talk about that and you revolutionizing people's yoga practice, which I've seen, I've seen people who have been practicing for decades and they and they come to the courses that I'm at and they're like, what are you, are you serious, this is this, but I've been doing this for so long, and we I thought this yoga taught us this way, and like that. Yeah. But yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit, I just want to first get a background of your story and, and how you got into this. Okay,
1: a background. Well, um, many decades in a few moments. Look, I was very lucky to have great parents, and my mother... You know, it was my first teacher, embryo posture. She taught me, Mm -hmm. and the basic philosophy that I think is the most important thing of yoga it's the philosophy of love. And that, you know, basically for me, yoga is the recognition that we're one family in love and uh, that starts best with your parents. And if your parents are good, that helps. And and Mm -hmm. my mother was wonderful for me. My father also was fantastic on that level, but he also gave me the first beginnings of what really forms. A major part of my practice today, which is um, about the breath, he was a free diver, and so he taught me how to hold my breath and not breathe and uh, The funny thing about yoga in the West is that people think that yoga and exercise is about learning how to breathe more. but in India and in all yoga, we talk about yoga as the art of learning how not to breathe and that 's what he showed me, and I was very lucky to have that at a very early age. And um, I met also some other great teachers. When I was eight years old, I had Basil Brown, who was an Olympic athlete, who taught me the Kriyas, the, especially Udyana Bunda and Naoli. And then in my late teens, I had a Tibetan Lama who took me on board as his uh, student for some years. And then I began what, you know, what for me was just some fitness Classes in, the early, in my early 20s, but then I realized it didn't really gel with me, and I started doing the Hatha Yoga practices as they were taught by uh, BKS Iyengar, Sri K. Patabi Joyce, and Desika Cha in my early 20s, and then actually traveled to meet these people in India in my 20s and uh, did my first teacher training course. In my early twenties, and uh, at that same time, I was learning at university and studying biology at university, and I had these two very different uh, lives. One is this—you know—was this very mystical Eastern yoga path and the other was a very straight western science path, mm. and at some point I realized that I was going in two different directions and I finally managed to reconcile this by becoming an exercise based physiotherapist in the early 1990s and um, and this was a very good move for me because it helped balance the two parts of my life and and still now you know I, I think of my physiotherapy in a very good way and i you know sometimes people ask me what am i teaching and i'll say i'm teaching exercise-based physiotherapy in the form of yoga or for other people i'll say i'm teaching classical hatha yoga with an understanding from modern uh, exercise-based science and western medical science so to me they've merged as one inside me and i'm very thankful for that i've been really trying to develop this understanding for the last uh, few decades and in the last um uh, ten years, I, I've had a nice influence with several Chinese teachers, who, mm. including one who I, I'm still in regular contact with, his name is Master Jin Huayang, and uh, this influence from China made me realize actually that that Indian yoga is is an expression of the natural body that um, that really is a good place to work with, and there's so much in common between Indian yoga, natural movement, and uh, the the movement. And posture and energy systems of China, mm. and so it's it's these natural systems that I'm trying to work with most because I think that's the first step that people really need to mm. get back to 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 restore naturalness in their body, mm. which is so lost in the modern yeah. West. Yeah,
0: and that's uh, you've really it's what you're doing. This is what the yoga synergy you've developed is right. It's taking all these years of your experience and then all these different traditions and formulating kind of your own sequences to, Mm. as you said, yoga-based practice, physiotherapy, exercise-based setup. Yes, yes.
1: (laughs) Sometimes people think of what we're teaching, these Yoga Synergy, which is my company, Mm. sequences as being an expression of what I've learned. Um, I I think of it more in terms of Bianca Matchless, my business Mm. partner and myself, have developed... um, an understanding of um, Western medical science, you know, especially in the form of physiotherapy, mm-hmm. and um, we've tried to apply that to help the Western modern non-natural mm-hmm. body to access the teachings of the East, and um, and we can use this understanding to actually improve any exercise form and especially any yoga form Mm. but when you really take an understanding of the applied anatomy and physiology of the body and especially the modern western body Mm. then for us it was almost like the yoga synergy sequences just fell out Mm. and it became if you want to teach People, how to do it, this is the best way of Mm. doing it. But we can apply the system to any system of of yoga. And and I teach, um, you know, regularly around the world, I'll teach people who only practice ayenga yoga or ashtanga yoga or bikram yoga, and I'm happy to teach them their style and help them make it better. But if I'm teaching people fresh, I find there's an easier way of teaching most people most of the time for the best results on a physical level, physiological level, mental level over an ongoing period of time. And it was a pleasure having you in, in my classes because mm. you're an intelligent bright person who when I met you you, were, you know quite a, a few mm. years younger and so it was just wonderful to have mm. someone bright and intelligent who could who could work with something and receive it without having to tell you all the mm. things that you have to unlearn first because yeah. you know it's for me it's quite easy to teach beginners mm. especially intelligent mm. beginners the most difficult thing I face around the world is just trying to get rid of the bad habits mm. that people have got and the basic misunderstandings, mm. the misconceptions people have about uh, not just modern yoga, not just what yoga is meant mm. to be, but also even exercise based yeah.
0: you know, science. What are some of those habits, Common, most common, st- starting around the yoga?
1: Um, well, you know, a lot of people think that yoga and, and health is is about learning how to stretch more, mm. or to tense more, to to get your heart rate up more, to breathe more, whereas it's just so logical. And even mm-hmm. the Western person with these misconceptions can logically see that a healthy person is someone who runs fast and makes their heartbeat less, mm-hmm. not more, who makes their breath less, not mm-hmm. more breath when they're running fast, who actually can do something like, You know, like a rhythmic gymnast might do 20 backflips in a row and land in the splits, which obviously takes a lot of flexibility and stretch. Mm. But while they're doing it, the effortlessness Mm. and grace they're doing it with and that whole parasympathetic, enjoyable calming way they're doing it tells you that they're not stretching or tensing mm. muscles they're just moving through what for them is a natural range of mov- movement and i think it's so important to recognize that if we're talking about yoga we're talking essentially about a very loving place mm. and a very connected place and what connects you on a physiological level is the the nervous system state which technically is called the parasympathetic Mm -hmm. nervous system, which euphemistically is the state of rest, rejuvenation and relaxation, as opposed to the sympathetic nervous system, which is commonly called the flight or fight response. Mm -hmm. And if you want to feel good and have the body working for longevity and health you want to emphasize the parasympathetic nervous mm. system, not the sympathetic nervous mm. system, which will really be something that makes your body feel like it only has to live another 10 minutes to mm. to run away so, or fight yeah. you know, and the, in in that state the body's nervous system really tells the organ systems to shut down and you turn off your immune system mm. reproductive system, digestive system and you just turn on the systems for flight and fight, mm. which Uh, on a subconscious level, will make the body think it's going through a place where there is fear, anger, aggression, lack of safety, lack of trust as the dominant subconscious emotions, which doesn't sound like yoga at all to me and it doesn't sound like a healthy place to be. Mm. Also, many people are commonly, regularly asking me things like, but if we don't stretch, if Mm. we don't strain our muscles, if we don't get our heart rate up, how's the body going to know it has to improve? Mm. And that's just a funny mentality. It's, it's a, a very outdated uh, Western physiological mentality, which says you basically have to suffer and prove to your body you are a failure before you will improve. And, and modern science that shows that's actually not the case. You can just do gentle exercise, like go for a regular walk each day and people's health will improve tremendously, and their fitness. But people think that they have to prove to their body that they're incapable of doing something to make their muscles tear, to make their muscles fail before their body's actually going to see the need to improve. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, it's fairly obvious, I would have thought, that that's going to make their subconscious, emotional body feel that they're actually a failure. Mm. And you know when are you going to stop telling yourself you're a failure and you've improved enough? And mm. when are you going to start saying, I'm happy with what I've got? And that, that saying, I'm happy with how I am, mm. that's really the essence of, of yoga mm. and the essence of happiness. Really, you mm. have to state it, mm. not to constantly say that something is internally wrong. Yeah,
0: yeah. No pain, no gain is a complete myth.
1: It's It's more like... The better statement, I think, is no pain, no brain. That's yeah. the way you, yeah. I think most people who think that, actually, mm. maybe you should state that about them. No, it's really a myth, but that yeah. myth is being propagated yeah. through the world still today.
0: And still, I'd say, majority of, not just yoga, but exercise, majority of people are having their sympathetic nervous system activated, especially CrossFit. Yeah. And they, you see, and I see patients, they, they cannot lose weight when they're doing Cross such high-intensity exercise. And, I think the number one hurdle to losing weight is stress. So the sympathetic nervous system is activated too much. And again, with the breathing you mentioned before, um, definitely I think one good indicator, would you agree, is if you're breathing through your mouth, that's going to activate the sympathetic nervous system. Yes, yes. yes. Can you also activate it through the nose if you're Um, you're just nasal breathing? I
1: think that one of the good things about nasal breathing is that it stimulates the nitric oxide Mm -hmm. Uh, and nitric oxide is a circulatory enhancer and if you enhance your circulation you probably won't have to make your heart beat so fast Mm -hmm. to make circulation improve. Mm -hmm. When the heart rate increases to improve circulation that alone will stimulate the flight or fight response and so if you're breathing through your mouth you're probably going to do two things. One is you're going to breathe more than normal and because the mouth will suck in air much easier Mm -hmm. and two you're going to not succeed the nitric oxide which will improve circulation without the heart and if you do breathe more than normal also you're going to get more hungry Mm -hmm. and that hunger is not something which is going to uh, nourish you and actually give you more energy it's just going to be hunger that's going to balance the ph um change that will happen with over breathing because the more you breathe the more you blow off carbon dioxide and the less carbon dioxide the less carbonic acid the less acidity you have in your body the more you breathe the more alkaline you are and the body doesn't like alkalinity of course it likes to be neutral so people who breathe more than normal will tend to crave acidic foods just to balance their um Uh, acidity, just about their their pH, and and in eating more then they're definitely not going to lose weight. Mm. But the funny thing is, if someone uh, cannot put on weight, if they breathe more than normal, then they will also stimulate their sympathetic nervous mm. system and that will turn off their digestive system and make it difficult for them to put on weight. Yes. So that mentality of stimulate the fight mm. or fight response, stretch more, tense more, get your heart rate up, breathe mm. more, will make someone who's fat probably stay fat and someone who's skinny probably mm. stay skinny.
0: Yeah. And it's not just just quickly, it's not just with exercise, it's with our sympathetic nervous system is activated way too much. You know, we're we're not designed to be under the gun so much and have uh, flight or fight activated, and even people eating like I don't care if you're eating the best organic Ayurvedic food. If you're eating it in front of your desk quickly in front of the computer or on the bus. Your yes. Your rest and digest, your parasympathendous system is not activated, so you cannot digest it.
1: So. No, it's, uh, it's true. I've, I have to catch myself sometimes mm. eating too fast, because I know I'm mm. probably not going to digest the food mm. properly if I'm chomping and stomping. Mm. And a couple of times, the last few years, I caught myself biting my gum, mm. which is something really, which is a sign that you're eating way, yeah, yeah. way <laughs> too fast, you know, if, you, if you're biting yourself. Bite and from nature, so yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so definitely if people mm. eat at their desk or eat in front mm. of a television, which mm. is very, very common, you mm. know, especially what the television is showing you is going to get your heart rate up, mm. which all you have to do is turn on the news, and mm. that doesn't exactly promote relaxation, mm. you know,
0: like and the EMS and the yes, light, of course, stressing the of body course. Out. so you, true. Dylan, you don't so have true. to be in a fight with someone or an yeah. argument to get stressed, you can just, yeah, sit in front of.
1: It's, it's funny because when we're, when we're at school, um, you know, everyone is taught about the flight or fight response. But the way it's often projected in school is in our primitive life, when we were cave people and we had to face the saber-toothed tigers, then when faced with the saber-toothed tiger, we would uh, enter a state of flight or fight. And twice so,
0: a month or something? Twice that a month. <laughs>
1: it would happen twice a month, supposedly. But people think now it doesn't happen at all because right. we don't have saber-toothed tigers. Mm. But of course, you know, I know I've got saber-toothed banks, saber-toothed relationships, saber-toothed children, you know. These are much worse. So they're much more threatening and turn on the saber-tooth news and you're really in trouble You know?
0: beautiful and this is very interesting now i'm sure you're aware of there's there's a lot of people um promoting hyper- hyperventilation such as the wim hof method and um a lot of these kind of shamanic healers or yes. um sound healers will promote that so what's your say on that? I mean, I've I've done the sound healing personally and and you feel like you're high? Yes. That's I think one thing why the shamanic people like it. Yes. But, and and the Wim Hof one's an interesting one. I mean, I I'm I'm okay with the cold thermogenesis for some people, not everyone. Yes. Um, but the hyperventilation, I'm not so look,
1: sure uh, I I love Vim Hoff as a person. He's a, he's a great guy, and uh, you know I've spoken to him at, at length on the telephone. Mm. I've yet to meet him in person, but I, I look forward to it one day. Mm. And uh, the problem is not with Vim. It's the way people learn things. And uh, so what Vim is teaching is a very advanced yoga technique, which he's made simpler, mm. and it, it is a, a very good version of us of a complex yoga technique made simple but the way people learn mm-hmm. is um is, is always problematic yeah they interpret mm-hmm. you, see, you see so the wim Hof method really is three things mm-hmm. one it is hyperventilation Two, that hyperventilation is followed by hypoventilation. Mm-hmm. And then three, the the, 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 the cold treatment mm-hmm. afterwards. And if you do all three, well, the cold is, is then very accessible. Mm-hmm. And uh, the hypoventilation, breathing less than normal or not breathing for a significant period after hyperventilating, actually becomes, you know, it makes it much easier to do the cold and balances the hyperventilation problems that can arise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you give any person a bunch of instructions and you you know you say like if i say to you right now i want you to remember the sequence 1 2 3 15 27 52 91 and 3226 5221 and then you say, how much do you remember of that? And they say, give me a reminder. You say, well, it started with one. Mm. Now do one and then continue. Mm. Then they'll generally do the one because you just reminded them. And then after that, they'll be lost. Mm. They might even forget or they might think that, well, we've done enough. At least we did the first step. So if you teach people you have to hyperventilate and then hypoventilate, not breathe at all, and then do something else, mm. they will do the hyperventilation, which, as you said, will lead to, loss of blood to the brain which means you start to be a bit less clear mm. you become a bit spaced out a bit mm. giddy and uh, it's very easy then to forget what number two is mm. and if you do forget number two then you forget an important step which i believe has to be learned before you do number one mm. and anyone can hyperventilate, mm. but can you hypoventilate mm. uh, i often say to my students it's easy to do five full breaths in one minute mm. but can you do one breath in five minutes yeah. and so i believe if you're going to teach someone something like the, the, um, the Wim Hof method uh, a safer way of, of giving it to a large group who you can't monitor you know, 500 people at once as easily as you can monitor one person you would teach them first how to hypoventilate get them practicing you know, holding their breath for one, two, three, or 4 minutes and then emphasize the, the importance of that and then teach the Wim Hof method. Yes. And I think if, if it's done that way, it's very good. And, and I believe that he would teach it that way if he had a few mm. people. But I have met people who've come from his training where they had um, 500 people in the course. And when I said, how was it for them? They said, oh, you know, it was, it was quite amazing. Mm. We got really spaced out and dizzy after the um, the hyperventilation. And I said, but didn't you hold your breath afterwards? Mm. And they said, no. Mm and i said but surely you held your breath oh no i don't think so mm. and i said but he would have told you to hold your breath but i'm sure he did mm. but they seem to have completely forgotten mm. or didn't realize and then the press doesn't make it better because then you hear on the press also that this is a hyperventilation technique mm. Mm. but it really isn't just hyperventilation mm. hyperventilation plus the hyperventilation mm. and if done like that i have no problems mm. with it provided people learn all three mm. Or two, at least, hyperventilation, the hypo. But when we're talking about just the exercises for hyperventilation by itself, Mm. look, you know, there are some benefits. You Mm. can actually stimulate your nervous system to the point that you become hypersensitive. Mm. And in the 70s, they called it rebirthing. And and so, yes, you can possibly relive some ancient traumas, including Mm. the trauma of birth, if that's called a trauma. Mm. And maybe that's a good thing or maybe you're just going to relive a trauma and have it twice rather than once, you know? Because there are people who uh, did hyperventilation, and I've, I've spoken to many of them, and they just felt that although they relived the trauma experiencing it twice yeah. wasn't actually a way of resolving the trauma yeah. it just made them have more problems and many people i spoke to who went to those sort of classes came back the following week find uh, finding out that they've now broken up with their partner and uh, mm. or left their family and mm. that doesn't necessarily help your life yeah. on a physiological level i think hyperventilation is a big problem and yeah. although there may be some limited benefits on a psychological level that may let you yeah. access altered states mentally physiologically you are reducing blood flow to the brain you're reducing the transfer of oxygen from the lungs to the blood you're hyper stimulating the nervous system which possibly leads to flight or fight response and thus turns off internal organ systems which give you longevity mm. and you're going to be reducing via the Bohr effect the entry of oxygen into the cells, which will mean that the cells can only metabolize glucose then on an anaerobic level as opposed to the aerobic level, mm. which means then you'll need up to 19 times as much sugar to get the same amount of energy. And uh, you'll basically have 19 times less energy than the people who metabolize uh, oxygen, uh, sugar with oxygen and get oxygen into the cells. And to me, uh, this won't cause cancer, but it really predisposes you to cancer and
0: diabetes. You know, Mm, because stress is a massive cause for these. Yes. It's activating your stress response. Yes. And also, then there's the benefits of hypoventilation, which which I've discovered through your teachings. It's really beautiful to be able to breathe less. Yes. You know, I love Simon always says in his class breathe less, tense less. Stre- uh, stretch eat, less, stretch less, yeah. and eat less. He yeah. sometimes says. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. The benefits yeah. of
1: hypoven- hypoventilation are the yeah. exact opposite of the yeah. um, things I just mentioned. Yeah. You know, the, the less you breathe, mm. uh, you'll be able to bring more blood to the yeah. brain, more oxygen mm. into your from your lungs to your blood. Uh, you'll calm the nervous system. You'll be able to make oxygen into your cells and and create nineteen times as much ATP for each mm. sugar molecule that you. Yeah. Uh, metabolize and uh, this makes you less hungry as well you know
0: it also provides this sense of um less neediness yes. with everything and and same with the less eating you know as yes. a culture we generally eat too much so yes we're reliant on it as energy so when we're less reliant on breathing and food we we c- c- capture this capability of of less leadingness and not so reliant on these things. Less like, addictions. Yeah, addictions who that go out have. and need food in their bags just in mm. case. You know, mm. like mm. be free, travel light.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, one of the big things in the philosophy of yoga is the notion that you should uh, make habits. That are good habits and break habits that right. are bad habits and, and the idea that habit in general is not a good thing yeah. so habit means yeah. another way of saying addiction and on a cellular level the more addictions you have the more the uh, cell membrane becomes bound with the receptors that are only for addiction and then you disallow the possibility of having entry points for nutrition and exit points for things that have to leave the cell in the in the on a cellular level the more things you are addicted to and so to get rid of any sort of addiction is a good idea really and it's what yoga says
0: and as well as the the breathing and the stress response i mean what we can call Hatha yoga, can we call it, or can we say exercise is, is like a Hatha yoga?
1: We, we can say that pretty much every technique that is used in modern exercise, I have seen used by Hatha yogis in, in India and uh, the equivalent in, in China. Every exercise yes. technique can be called a technique used in Hatha yoga, mm-hmm. but how it's used in Hatha yoga to create yoga is mm-hmm. not always the way it's
0: used in, in Western... Yes stuff and just this is so like it's so prevalent amongst even the not just exercise but the yoga communities you know how many yoga classes do you go to and the teacher's telling you to keep breathing keep breathing yes yes and I highly recommend everyone to to get to one of Simon's workshops or classes Mm. I'll put in the show notes where he teaches all around the world and really as I said in the beginning it revolutionizes people's yoga practice because can you talk about that you know people have who have trained with you know maybe you know top apparently top Ayanga teachers or top Hatha yoga teachers and and they come to you and you say actually no you shouldn't be doing this and and I've heard you say even you've said once and I'm sorry to all the people who I taught 20 years ago because I taught you wrong
1: (laughs) yes yes yes. (laughs) yeah yeah um I often have uh have apologized because (laughs) every year I understand more and some things that I've said twenty thirty years ago, mm. have a limited truth, but mm. in the global perspective, mm. they may not be the best things to do. There's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm learning with the years to not say anything is wrong as such, because there is no wrong no. or right, but mm. just what is your purpose? Mm. And if your purpose is simply to stretch out some muscles, there's mm. many ways you can do it, mm. including some that are quite aggressive. Mm. But if that's purely your aim, mm. then do it. Mm. But if you care about the state of your mind or the mm. state about your physiology and you consider that to be important, then there are maybe better, more balanced way of doing things. Yeah. So now I look much more for balance, which for me is yeah. an expression of satya in yoga yeah. or truthfulness, honesty, yeah. like running an honest business. It's, yeah. it's a balanced approach. and uh, And so, yeah, it, it seems that Many times I've, I've met people who come to me having done other yogic trainings and they leave the class going, wow, this is the exact opposite of what I've been taught. Mm. And I'm not saying that what they've been taught is wrong. Mm. It's just that it may not be leading to yoga. It might be leading to an imbalance which may give them one benefit and take away something else. Mm. So for example, going back to you know um, uh, the things we do in exercise and the things that some people do in yoga like hyperventilation. You know, I've met hatha yogis who will actually breathe and hyperventilate through an entire asana practice. Mm. And it's not wrong. Mm. Uh, And and for them, they actually balance it perfectly fine. Mm. They'll breathe in a very loud, what seems like aggressive way Mm. through an entire one-hour practice. And, um, And if the average person did this, They'd be very dizzy, nauseous, queasy afterwards. And perhaps the Indian Hatha Yogi is as well. But the Indian Hatha Yogi then will balance that one hour of hyperventilation by sitting in perfect stillness in a meditative posture where you will not see them move. You will not even be able to detect any movement or breathing while they sit for maybe two hours in meditation. Mm-hmm. Whereas the, the Western yogi who does that type of practice might only be maybe doing a 10-minute shavasana mm-hmm. afterwards yeah, to try and balance. Then they'll the go computer. balance it by sitting in front of the computer <laughs> and eating lots of food. <laughs> yeah. you know, so there's definitely no wrong practice, and yes. certainly all the practices mm-hmm. we see in modern Western exercise, mm-hmm. I've seen in the um, in the... Indian, Chinese methods, which bring you to a state of yoga, but they're always balanced with something else.
0: And the ex- and these exercises, as you said, they will get some benefit. Like, I mean, the prob- a common one is to look muscular and look good. Yeah. You will get that from exercise, from yes. from you know strenuous exercise. Yes. But you know, we're What's seeing now injuries more. All these rugby players, are not yes. Lasting as long as they used to. Oh, no, well,
1: they, they never really lasted. The ones no, who and it's getting worse now, actually.
0: Because I, and I, and I think that's also because of the EMF and the the blue light they're exposed yes, to. Yes, yes. Causing that and
1: steroid use like, and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. No, they athletes don't generally do that well. You know, mm, the people yeah. who do well into longevity are the ones who did not do the high impact sports when they were younger, okay. did not do the intense cardio and. Uh, and uh, stuff which made their heart race. It's funny, because we're in Australia, um, this concept of cardio is a a funny one, uh, because... Australia is actually very big in sport and yeah. around the world. Mm. It's recognized yeah. as being big. For a very small country, we do very well in the Olympics. Mm. You know, we actually rank in the Olympics, mm. whereas really for a country so small, we shouldn't rank at all. Yeah. But uh, you know, Australian physiotherapists and Australian mm. sports is regarded quite highly mm. in the world. And so around the world, people generally talk about cardio. But cardio is, as Australian is saying, going for a barbie rather than barbecue. Mm -hmm. And and so cardio is short for cardiovascular. Mm -hmm. And so when you do good cardio work, you're actually meaning to do good cardiovascular work. Mm -hmm. And cardio means the heart, vascular means blood vessels. So for me, good cardiovascular work means can you improve the function of the blood vessels? Can the blood vessels themselves improve their ability to carry blood rather than the heart taking all the strain? And... um, I've got a paper which uh, has yet to be published uh, from, with Professor Mark Cohen at RMIT University, which is the 12 different ways that you can move blood through the body. Only one of those is the heart. And if you can actually minimize the use of the heart, which will necessarily imply the, the stimulation of the sympathetic nervous system and utilize the other 11 methods to move blood through the body, then there is a much greater balance. But the emphasis, of course, in the West has been on cardio, cardio, mm. cardio, and if it's just
0: increasing heart rate, yeah. That's not okay. healthy. So that's a much better definition of exercise. It's increased blood flow yes. to all areas of our body for greater healing yes. and greater, you know, not yes. to heal and increase the longevity and feel good, yes, but, rather than get muscles and look good. By the way, which you'll still get. Um, it's a byproduct. Uh, like the other part with the problem, right?
1: yes. yes, the problem w- yes the way I look at it is if I talk about the general global purpose of yoga it's to recognize that we're all connected as one mm. family in love it yeah. sounds very very soppy yeah. but then if I have to say how do you do this on a physiological level yeah. well it's to make energy and loving information flow through the body yeah. well how can I say that scientifically as opposed to a soppy way it's to improve the um, activity of the cardiovascular system so you minimize the stress in the heart make the heart beat less but still make the blood flow and uh, emphasize the activity of the parasympathetic nervous system and utilize the enteric nervous system while minimizing an overuse of the sympathetic nervous yeah. system. Still, of course, you have to learn to use and, and uh, keep activity occasionally in the sympathetic nervous system, but as you were suggesting before, like the, the cave people, maybe yeah. twice a month being faced with a saber-toothed yeah. tiger. Yeah. Um, one uh, revealing study that came out recently which which reflects this is that physiologists, exercise physiologists, have realized and published papers suggesting that if say an Olympic runner were to run for 100 minutes, then to get the best results, to get them to the next Olympics, you want to get them uh, only for 10 minutes should they not be able to talk. For at least 80 minutes, they should be able to talk normally like you and I are talking now while sitting. Mm. And for maybe 10 minutes, they might talk a bit labored. But for only 10 minutes out of 100, should you not be able to talk? And that Mm. not be able to talk might suggest sympathetic nervous system Mm. as opposed to being able to talk naturally, being Mm. parasympathetic. But if I have to take that one step further, Mm. it's not just 10% of the time you want sympathetic nervous system. I think that is going to help get people to the next Olympics, Mm. but they don't really care care about how long they're going to live after that Mm. and often they don't do that good Mm. so maybe really if you consider that most people's life is filled with ongoing stress Mm. then maybe take that into account and maybe on an exercise level maybe only one percent of the time going into a state of flight or fight Mm. and that's certainly what some of these studies are suggesting Mm. on the um, idea of high impact uh, Mm. interval training you know but maybe even that's excessive i read one recently that said that um you only need about 15 minutes a week of resistance training, for example, Mm -hmm. to actually improve uh, strength and flexibility.
0: And so, because, you know, a lot of people are giving their time of the day for themselves some self-care time as exercise. So really, you know, if you want to break your day up to have your self-time and some self-care time, do some real exercise as Simon's suggesting and, you know, don't, go for an hour when you're stressing your body out, you know, give yourself some rest and stress-free time yes. with some you know, proper yeah. practice. Um, yeah, great. And just one more thing on that, and I've also heard you say, you know, we should not j- go directly from the teachings of, say, Ayengar, because their bodies were different to us. You know, they, we cannot say, Ang is teaching this pose, well maybe that's not relevant for us and we should adjust it and that's what you've done a fantastic job with the Yoga Synergy practices. You're still doing those same muscle movements and certain vertebrae, um, you know, positions, but in a slightly different posture.
1: In a slightly different way to adapt them for the Western yes. body. Look, you know, what you say is, is true. Uh, maybe Iyengar was probably the, the worst um, person to talk about there because he actually ah, did yeah. take into account um, mm-hmm. the modern Western body much more than mm-hmm. other traditional yeah. yogis. So he, you know, he worked a lot with uh, people in mm-hmm. Indian cities, for example, mm-hmm. who had been mm-hmm. living on chairs sure. for ages and they'd lost a lot of their naturalness. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but even Mr. Iyengar. Uh, I think maybe didn't take into account the Western mind Mm. as much as perhaps Mm -hmm. you should have. Mm -hmm. You know, like, basically, if I had to say to someone, go and learn yoga from someone, Mm. then... I wouldn't usually suggest going to India. Mm. If you want to learn the philosophy of yoga, Mm. go to India. Mm. And all you have to do is go live in an Indian village and see how Indian families Mm. work. Mm. This is beautiful. And if you want to see master yogis, go Mm. to India. Mm. But not to learn off them how to be physical and physiologically and and mentally approaching it. Because they don't understand, as you Mm. said, generally, Mm. just how physically useless we are in the West. Yeah. You know, we're very stiff, we're very weak, yeah. and many of the joints they're mm. flexible and strong in. And also they don't understand the physiology of the Westerner being a physiology of just total stress, and the mm. internal organ systems are mm. really mucked up. I'm talking yeah. about traditional yes. Indians at the moment, now, which there are not that many the of them, yeah. them left now, yeah. but the ones who really live mm. in, in a natural yeah. environment. And
0: still there's, you know, we, we don't squat when we go to the toilet. No,
1: exactly. And many of them don't either anymore.
0: Yeah, There's still a lot to do. Yeah, sure. And you know, even headstands here is quite unsafe to practice. You know, they've been carrying stuff on their heads. Yes. Yes. And, I mean, headstands is a big one that I think is over-practiced. Yes, definitely, say? definitely, yeah. yeah Causing yeah. issues with the neck and the so. Oh, you love. know,
1: if you see in, in India, even in modern India, in, in places like Goa, which is a, a beautiful tourist destination, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I go there frequently still, and, mm-hmm. and I'm still meeting up with um, lovely women who helped me 30 years ago, yeah, right. and they would mm-hmm. be in their 50s 30 years ago mm-hmm. carrying what I know would be heavy baskets, say a 60 kilo basket, I would have to get a friend to lift a 60 kilo basket of fruit onto their heads and they would walk for two or three yeah. hours on the beach yeah. with this thing which is heavier than their bodies. Yeah. And yet, you know, recently I've, I've met these same women again in their 80s and they're still there on the same beach mm-hmm. carrying more than their body weight on their head for several hours a day. Yeah. And I don't think these people are going to have a problem doing headstand yeah. or shoulder stand. Yeah. <laughs> okay compared to
0: us and I'd love you to talk about someone who came into both of our lives your life more than me who's very exciting um, I found very exciting you introduced me to him at one of your courses you brought him as a special guest Master Zen Hang-Yong
1: Zen, Zen, Zen hang yeah. yes. Zen hang yeah.
0: and I mean yeah can you tell him, I mean I find his story very fascinating and, and I like his most of his teachings. Would you explain a bit about his background? He's got a very interesting background.
1: Master General Young, he's an amazing man. He, um, he came into my life about 10 years ago, and uh, he has a history which is quite phenomenal. His uh, background was he went to the Shaolin Temple when he was a very young man, and then went, yeah, yeah, young boy actually, yeah, In his, I think he was three or four when he mm. first was introduced to it, and then in his teens he went to the Wudan Temple, which was more of an internal martial arts style, but his family actually taught him as well, especially his grandfather. I think mm. he thinks of as his main teacher. Mm. And his grandfather was of the lineage of the last of the bodyguards of the emperor of China. So they have a very high teaching. You know, he himself is, is a one in a, a billion type people. You mm. know, I think he's... He's really quite special yeah. and his ability to understand his own body is phenomenal mm. and he's got an amazing ability to help others as well. Mm. And I have uh, tremendous respect mm. for him. And, and so he's been very, very good for me in terms of helping me understand uh, how to restore natural movement in someone. Mm. And, um, and so I've, I've really
0: enjoyed uh, sharing mm. things with him over the last 10 years. And he's got this amazing capability to harness energy and direct energy.
1: Yes, yeah. I
0: mean, and, and guys, he's he's in Bankstown, Sydney. He can yeah, access him yeah. easily. And he yes. He runs courses with Simon in the Gold Coast occasionally. And
1: yes. Yeah. So yes, I'll be doing a course with him at the end yeah, of, of this year. Usually recommend. once a year I teach with him. Mm. And he's... um. Yes, I think he really made me appreciate that, you know... Energy is the physiological key to yoga, and that key is often being lost or blocked in the West yes. by over-tensing and yes. over-stretching. Yes. And I've really managed you yes. know, managed to understand that physically myself, and, and now I can explain it to other mm-hmm. people and demonstrate it to other people much better.
0: Right. Okay, Right. And just, I know it's hard to say without a video, without you showing some postures, but how can people restore their bodies to become more natural? what steps can they
1: take? Okay, um, well, one of the ways that I think I can explain it best is to look at how we move naturally and what we can and can't do naturally. And for example, we cross our arms very simply, you just lift one hand on the opposite shoulder, second mm. hand on the, on the other shoulder. And we can do that without any external forces, we just use our arms to do it. And it doesn't feel like stretching, it doesn't feel like tensing. Mm. Yet, you could not really stretch the elbow more if you did stretch the elbow when you folded your arms into a cross yeah. arms position you would sort of think immediately something's wrong with my elbow but when we take our legs into a lotus position usually in the west people do that by pulling one hand on one foot and mm. yanking the foot across the opposite thigh. this of course is not what they do in the east you know in uh, a traditional bodied person someone who's um uh, you know, been brought up in a natural environment will cross their legs on the floor as easily as we cross our arms. Mm-hmm. And so when you do this, this actually triggers neurological reflexes, spinal reflexes, which create a possibility of developing strength while not focusing on tensing muscles. It develops flexibility while not feeling strong stretch. You get relaxation while movement, relaxation of the antagonist, the lengthening muscle, while not having to lie on the floor. It also promotes blood flow without getting your heart rate up. And so natural movement is active movement. When you can move from one position to another, the natural body will do it without the assistance of external forces. So my suggestion is a first step in Hatha Yoga is move actively mm. a second suggestion is to move from
0: your core so just to clarify again when Simon says move actively he means without external forces such as your external limb your limbs and your gravity
1: yep and, and momentum yeah
0: so momentum,
1: move yeah. actively means move with your own body's okay. volition yep. rather than using external forces such as gravity
0: yep.
1: momentum yep. or one limb pulling another yep. and if you do that at least as the first step then yep. you improve yep. your natural Perfectly.
0: body and I can definitely vouch for that. And one yes. simple example without showing a video of it is just your spine. You're twisting twisting your spine, twisting your back without putting your hands on the floor and pushing your torso to the side. Just move without your arms.
1: It's a big difference, yes. Yeah. Um, the second thing is moving from your core. Mm-hmm. And in the West, this is very controversial because many people have had this drummed into them that you should engage your core, that you should tighten your mm. core, that you should have good strong abs. And actually the more you tighten your core consciously, the more you limit the movement of your spine. Mm. And this will actually uh, you know, inhibit strength and flexibility if you do this. Yeah. And so um, moving, if you move your arm to the left, the basic concept is move your lower abdomen or your lower spine to the left first, mm-hmm. and that will actually give you better strength and flexibility mm-hmm. and it'll help your internal organs work better and your spine move better. Move from the core, don't lock the core. Mm-hmm. It's also this core, the region between the um, pubic bone, the navel, the L5 S1 and the pelvic floor between the diaphragm mm-hmm. and the pelvic diaphragm.. Yes, and, and in, in yoga we call it the um the kanda. Mm. and in China we call it the Dantian and in in Japan they call it the Hara this in the west is the seat of the enteric nervous system Mm. which is this uh, we can sometimes call it the the action brain as Mm. opposed to the thinking brain in our head Mm. and it is a large plexus of nerves that's bigger than the parasympathetic or sympathetic nervous system but yet forms part of the autonomic nervous system and it's actually more nervous tissue than is in the spinal cord Mm. and to move from that point Mm. is, uh, is a real key to natural movement movement and restoring natural movement and actually a real thing that will give you much better hatha yoga practice as well as much better mm. exercise yeah. practice of any sorts
0: beautiful and also relaxing it more people so most people, yes. common tension point for people yes. who are stressed so that's your lower abdomen just relax yeah be like a I love that sometimes. be like a baby's belly be like a buddha's belly don't especially yes. women will hold it in and that's as well contributing to menstrual issues so just relax your belly put your awareness on it breathe into it Yes. Well, so many
1: to, to clarify that, it's like what you want is to always feel that your lower abdomen is relaxed yes. enough to breathe yeah. into it. And, you know, as a general rule, if you're sitting, you don't have to tighten your abdomen. Mm. So it can actually physically be relaxed mm. and you can breathe naturally into the lower abdomen. But uh, when you're moving, what you want to check is that you mm. can still breathe into your lower abdomen. But in some movements, the abdomen will actually become firm mm. at a point but it yeah. needs to firm yeah. but what you want to feel not so much that it's it's always flaccid because mm. it's important to yes. use your abdomen but um but that you can breathe into it mm. so another key feature that i would recommend to people beginning uh, yoga or trying to do exercise mm. is to always check that you can breathe naturally mm. and although fancy breathing is a useful thing to learn mm. it's a later step and i think mm. most people just mm. need to restore natural breathing mm. and practice natural breathing in most of their exercise mm. that's a Third step. Mm -hmm. And then a a fourth step that maybe I I like to include into Mm -hmm. people's movement is to move in a fluid way. Mm -hmm. So they're not just moving back and forth, which is like a car driving back Mm -hmm. and forth and accelerating and braking and reserving Mm -hmm. and reversing and going forward, Mm -hmm. which is very jarring for anyone in the car Mm -hmm. and also very energy inefficient. But to learn to move in a way where you never go back and forth, but the, the body moves more naturally in circular fluid fashions Mm -hmm. and if you do this then it's energy efficient it's much less tension on the joints but you must do it in a way where you're not feeling strong stretch Mm -hmm. or tension Mm -hmm. otherwise that can lead to imbalance as well Mm -hmm. so if i summarize then if you want uh, a a good tip to to doing better yoga or better exercise Mm -hmm. four things one move actively two, move from the core Mm -hmm. three breathe naturally and four uh, move in a fluid uh, you know, way through three-dimensional space mm-hmm. with all your body,
0: especially your core. Yeah, wonderful. And what about some for outside of exercise and yoga? For outside of exercise and yoga? people, for example, if they're sitting in an office for eight hours a day, what what are some things they can do to help wow, their body? Well, ev- just
1: every hour you need to get off your chair and yep. move around. And if you... If you can learn some simple uh, spinal movements. I have a beautiful, simple spinal movement sequence that takes 90 seconds to do. And if anyone wants to contact me on Facebook or, you know, it's Simon YouTube at well. your, your YouTube, Simon at com mm. is my email. Or you can look mm. for Simon Borglivia uh, on Facebook or Instagram, Simon mm. Synergy. And I'm happy to send you a link to a simple 90 second sequence. You can do it anytime. Mm. But if I can't give you that, then I really recommend get up Go mm. for a walk. Mm. When you walk, relax your abdomen, let your hips move, mm. move your shoulders, and if you can't do anything else at your desk, at least rotate your shoulder mm. blades mm. Uh, forward, backward, uh, alternating left and right side like bicycle wheels. That makes mm. such a difference to the health of your of your spine. Mm. And uh, that's their are
0: hot little tips that yeah. may be useful. And that spinal movements I love so much. It's I do it every day. I just drove from Sydney yesterday and. <laughs> You know, definitely. Whenever I get out of the car, I do it. Just moving my spine in every direction. It's wonderful. It's such fun. The first time I, I think the first time I came to a class of Simon, my friends were telling me, "You got to see this guy." I hardly ever done yoga, and as Simon does, he's very, very kind. And uh, how he, how he, how he meets everyone for the first time who attend his classes. And he came to me. He goes, "He goes, hello, what's your name?" I said, "Dylan." He says, "Dylan, do you like dancing?" I said. Uh, Yeah, He's like, okay, well, if you like, that's good. If you like dancing, this will be like dancing. And we did. And these final sequences are like that. It's it's a beautiful dance, but it's. But it's
1: simple. I I don't want to threaten people by saying they have to learn to dance mm, because some people get freaked out if I say they're going to dance. No, these are simple. uh, You know, I I teach eight simple postures, which are actually four opposing pairs of postures, which is not hard to remember four things. And if you join them, uh, it's a little bit like join the dots as a child. And when you join the dots as a child, it might be, you know, eight dots that look like the straight lines between them. But as an adult, the dots become more fluid and becomes that's what i'm asking that's all but you can make something a little bit softer a little bit more fluid get rid of the sharp edges wonderful
0: okay thank you so much anything else you want to say anything on your mind that's you want to
1: share with people, Dylan. It's such a pleasure to to talk with you, and, and it's such a a wonderful thing for me to feel that in the, the the many years now we've known each other, and that you've really uh, gone from from strength to strength. And you know, you were a, a a fledgling when I met you. You know, you were much younger, and and you looked like you had fantastic potential and a bright mind and what i see is that you've become like a, a brilliant sturdy tree in the forest that's that's actually um, giving uh, beautiful sustenance to the people around you and your practice is is remarkable and what you're sharing in your writing and your teaching and your treatments is remarkable and so Maybe I can conclude with my philosophy of life is that uh, that really to embody the philosophy of yoga, I think the main purpose we have to be here is to do three things. One is to enjoy our life, Mm. and that's something which you can always choose. It's an expression of Santoshu if you like. And the the second thing is that we should uh, look after our bodies because... They are the, uh, the heaven on earth we have and we should respect and honour them and take care of them. And then when we do those two things, we can do the, the next important thing, which is to help other people enjoy their lives. And that's what I see you doing. It's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. So enjoy your life, look after your body, help other people enjoy their lives and then we can really resonate this idea that the world is a large family in love, yeah. living in an ocean of love that we can actually uh, bathe in and share Share. Thank you. Thank you
0: so much. Thank you very, very, very much. Um. Thanks for listening, guys. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, If you want to check out Simon's stuff, you can see the link below Simon Borg, Olivia. And don't forget, if you want to schedule a consultation with me, we can do Skype consultation, talk about your health, get to the underlying cause of disease and make you realize the essence of your health. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. I love reading them. Wish you well.